Mike, turn your games down. Hi, we're from another DMP comic episode of Game My Mom Found. I am Mike Helgen, and who's showing in North New York, I guess, where we are tonight? The Northampton groundskeeper, Red Fox. <laughs> So, as you're at the top of it, so we are bringing you another TMT comic. We are continuing our, our quest through the TMT, which I'm greatly enjoying. So, you will also see a link in the show notes to all the other TMT episodes, including the comic ones that you should listen to if you haven't yet to continue along with us. Or just read the comics, too. There won't be a link for that, but <laughs> you should. You know, I should get a link for Amazon, like, hey, buy this. You know, but I don't have that. I could. Partners Amazon. All right. We're going to be talking about two different little arcs, the Northampton and the Utram Empire, which happened at the same time for this. So that's going to be what we're digging into for this episode. Which, I gotta say, as a guy who didn't read this before, like, after coming off City Falls, like, you're at the top of the frickin' mountain with intensity, and then this does a really good job, like, we're gonna bring it down, we're gonna calm down, like, there's not, like, it's just such a different arc. Yeah, there's there's not overall, like, a lot of conflict. I mean, other than, and we'll get to the, the, the current conflict, but, like, other than that, it usually happens more so in flashbacks and stuff like that. It it was much different, and I and I wasn't sure how I felt that the art is also different because it's not well, you know, different artists. So like April looks completely different, Casey looks different, the turtles look a little different. I mean, that's just comics in general. So yeah, it's it's always going to happen. I mean, and and it's hit or miss usually as with bigger series are, are going down the line. But sometimes I like the change. I mean, sometimes it's it's nice to see a little something different. Yeah, it didn't bother me. I will say that they they it, it wasn't they drew her oh they drew April okay it was no frog face April so we're good yeah it was passable I'm still, I'm still upset with that one that was the worst one I think I can remember seeing is is that frog face one God it was bad and like this issue starts off with just you know it shows you New York it shows the church and it it just shows like everything abandoned because they left they had to get out it shows Stockton all blown up which plays a part later and. One thing they do show, like even in the covers themselves, like look at how colorful and and different and and scenic the covers are compared to the usual gritty New York setting we got. So it kind of sets the tone even so with the covers. And I think we needed that, too. Like after you, you, I mean, I didn't realize this, but like I read this arc like right after we finished talking about City Fall. And then I waited a bit like a week and then I read it again or maybe even two weeks, however long it's been since we did City Fall. And it's kind of like I, I kind of needed that. Like I needed that break. And then I needed something that wasn't intense to read after just how intense City Fall goes. Right. And the writers knew that. And they, they pulled it off pretty good. Yeah. I, I, I was impressed. Like, I mean, it starts off with April and Casey driving the turtles in a van. You know, they're all beaten up. Splinter's got the broken leg. Leo is not Leo yet. He's still, you know, trying to figure out what happened. And they're just driving into the woods, which to me is like, oh, that's nothing. You're driving, you're just going up, you know, a little bit north of, you know, like when I lived in Milwaukee, you didn't go far. You're out in the middle of nowhere. But this is New York where going out to like country is a, is a, is a weird thing, I think, <laughs> compared to like what yeah, we're Yeah, it's a bit to. different. I think, I think it's actually takes place in Jersey. Oh, okay. As, as in Jersey. I want to say, it. don't I mean, completely quote me on it, but I want to <laughs> say it is New Jersey. If only we had the ability to look that up or care enough. Jersey would make sense. Technology. I feel like a lot of New York people go to Jersey. They do. It's not very far. I mean, it's a lot closer than what I, I would think. Of. Like, I mean, for me to cross the state, only not that far, but still, it's like, yeah. Okay. And then the idea that they go to a barn because April's going to go see her family who lives in this big house, has a barn. But of course, you know, turtles might not be welcome in the house because you have to explain why you have mutant teenage mutant ninja turtles. And a big giant rat. <laughs> so 
So she leaves them in the bar and gives them their stuff. And then she goes to the house. And it's like right away you have a part where Leo's sleeping. Raphael tries to wake him up. And Leo just kind of freaks out a bit. Which, again, makes sense. Yeah, he's completely traumatized and isolating himself until he can figure this out. Which, I mean, he went through terrible PTSD from what happened. I mean, it makes sense. Like, the guy was, you know, mind-controlled and tricked. And the only thing that really snapped him out of it is the idiot couldn't get like, hey, I killed you in your past life by cutting off your head. Let's cut off more people's heads. You know, that won't that won't trigger anything. Not at all. So <laughs> I always find that interesting. That like he just never got over that. He just loved cutting people's heads off. Yeah, Shredder has a kind of a fetish with, with that. <laughs> of beheading people. Yes, yes, he does. Which also plays part in here. And then you you have and then you have Alopec shows up, which you find out that she was on the van that she had snuck along with him. And Raphael gets so pissed off. When he sees her because he doesn't trust her, which, again, I mean, it really plays into what happened, you know, in the earlier issue where you have like the whole like the whole micro series when she first introduced. He never got over that, that she tricked him. And how could you? I mean, look at how well she played it then. You know, like he thinks oh, she's just there to assassinate somebody. I mean, it would make sense. <laughs> you know, he doesn't realize that, you know, she turned against the foot. She, well, she didn't have a choice. I mean, after you try to kill Shredder, not like you can come back with open arms. It's you're done. <laughs> Right, and she lost her cool the one time in Alaska, and then we saw what happened the second time. There's no coming back that second time. <laughs> yeah, no, there's there's no coming back after what she did with him. He's done. He hates her. So, <laughs> you know, you kind of have to accept that. Like, yeah, we're we're not coming back to you. But I think that gives some good moments, though, too. Like, just seeing all the stuff that they go, you know, seeing what they go through. And, like, Leo defends her right away. Which, again, I don't think it was Leo being the foot or even being, you know, manipulated from what the foot. I think it was just Leo trying to do the right thing that's how i took it as far as like defending her yeah he's not trying to do it because he's just like oh well i mean you know he i think i think in his head and which makes perfect sense he's just he sees it as the right thing to do yeah it's it's not a foot thing in this case and and i mean you can see though like why somebody like raf might be kind of uh, like thrown off a bit like well these these two are both coming off the foot clan right now how can i trust either one of them and then on top of that you got anger management issues with raf he is the worst person to be involved in any of this. Yeah. No, that makes perfect sense. And that's a great way to kind of look at it because he he handles it wrong. I mean, it isn't until Splinter comes in and Splinter's like, OK, Alopex, you, you saved my life. So we'll listen to you. In this case, I think other than than Splinter himself, the only person that's really going to be able to really like mediate any like real issues between the brothers. And, and they don't really show him doing it ever. But Donnie could be the only one. I, I mean, Mikey could do it. And he can make people get along, but he he is so blind to conflict in most cases that he might not see a, a, a trap coming. Yeah. Because Donnie's smarter than that. He can figure that out and still maybe try to calm people down with some logic. And it's nice to see because you, you really do see the turtles try to, like, you know, work together in this. And, you know, it's not them fighting. It's them trying to come to terms with what happened to Leo and how to, you know, deal with his PTSD and how to help him. And you know, well, Leo going going through it himself. Yeah, they, they're all going through it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they're all I mean, and that's what I think is also so good is how I mean, they got so fucking beat up at the end of City Fall, like in that whole conflict. And, and like, this is a great like part, like just just so cool how it's like, OK, we're going to, you know, we're calming down. We're we're just going to, you know, well, we're you, just gonna you let it think, go. right. Like the, the turtles suffered a lot of pain during this time. So now that they've been severely wounded. They have to sit back, run away, retreat and and kind of lick their wounds in a sense. Yeah. And this is what this whole arc is, is really based on. And it, do, it does a good job with it. And this is you also have, I think, Raphael makes the comment. Well, this is when they. Yeah. 
because Casey calls April's girlfriend. They're like, wait, when did that happen? <laughs> I like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I do like when he's like, yeah, we're taking things slow. And Ralph, yeah, nothing says slow like meeting the parents. <laughs> right. I did get a kick out of that one. I'm like, OK, that's funny. True and funny. <laughs> I, I do like Raphael in this, even though he, you know, because everything he does makes sense. Like him losing his cool makes sense in the context of what's all happened. It isn't him just being an asshole. Like he's I think he's a very good character in this arc. He is. And, and he's actually reacting on based on what he sees in front of him. It's not like he's just being an asshole out of nowhere. Like there are some legit threats and, and insecurities he has about this whole situation. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's also like this when you have when you first meet April's parents, you have her dad, which I didn't I didn't see what they were doing where he's in a wheelchair. He suffered a stroke and he can't talk very well. He can't move very well. And like I didn't see where they were going to go with that at the end of this heart. When I first read it, I didn't either, if I'm being honest about it. Like, yeah. um, And then then you find out as time goes on how much he was involved with Stodge Gen, what his background is. Then you can maybe start to draw a line between the two. But it, it doesn't it doesn't jump off the page at you right away, really. No, it it just sets up like, you know, you know, she's worried about her dad and this is why they're out here in Northampton to to rest. And then you also have like you have small scenes of Leo at the, at the lake trying meditating and talking to his mother and trying to figure out, you know, what to do. You have just the other turtles just trying to I mean, yeah, Mikey's sleeping, which I thought funny. He's just completely just passed out. And or I think it's Mikey sleeping. Yeah. Yeah. Mikey's sleeping. Donatello's reading. And then you have Raphael just sitting there upset. So. And then in the last page is you see Alapex looking at Leo just meditating, which comes to play very quickly in the next issue. Uh, yeah, it kicks things off right away. And as I forgot to say at the top of the episode, this is issue 29 we're starting at. Doesn't really matter, but yeah. Let's not forget that Leo here is, is dealing with visions of his mom and whatnot, too. So this, this is uh, pretty much his whole healing process. As much as his bro- brothers and his dad want to help out, they it's almost the don't, do any, they don't do anything at all. Nothing gets through to him, at least in the physical realm here. It's it's all this astral projection, kind of otherworldly deal with his mom that really gets him through it. And, they, yeah, and which throughout I, it, they they also have you question that too. Like, is it is he dreaming? Is he just kind of seeing this in his head? I or thought this real? We, when we first saw that that he was dreaming. At this point, I am ninety nine percent positive that is not a dream. That she is somehow alive, or I mean, not alive, but her spirit is able to communicate with him. Like, that's her. Uh, that's what I, I think. think it's evident as, as we go on and you, you see Splinter's interaction with that situation that it's like, OK, I think that's uh, something that that actually happened. Yeah, that, that's been my complete take on it at this point. And I'm and again, I'm as everything with this, I'm very curious to see more where this show goes. Her show comic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it feels like a show. It's it's so time. It, yeah, right. I mean, it's better writing than some shows, to be honest. But there's more moments with the mom in the future, too, and, and not. Just with Leo. So that's something to make you look forward to. Okay. I, I am. I, the more we read, the more <clears> I get excited for what comes. Like, I can't wait to us to get to issue 50 and I can read that arc. So, yeah, they, they, they don't really away. drop the ball at this point in, in the series. I mean, you get some of the side stuff that's like not, not necessarily skippable, but just kind of kind of throw away in a little bit. But yeah, as far as the main series go, they don't really drop the ball much. No. And even speaking of side stories, the, the next issue we're going to talk about is Utram Empire number one. I don't consider that like I don't consider this throwaway or like optional. This to me is something I think you have to read as part of the main art. I'd agree. I, I think it's rather important to go through. I mean, just the origin of the Triceratons and stuff like that. I mean, Fugitoid, what he's up to, I, I think it's definitely worth uh, reading and adding to his main story. 
Yeah, I mean, I feel like you'd be missing out if I didn't read this. Like, if we didn't read Secret History of the Foot, so many things in City Fall wouldn't make any sense. And that's some of the best, like, side series or story in, in the entire arc, or in the entire series to begin with. Yeah. You'd be missing some of the best stuff ever. Yeah, no, it, it doesn't, this, this show, or, I keep saying that, this comic doesn't hold back, really doesn't, and it does some good stuff. Like, the it, the opening of this issue, Ultra Empire 1, you have Fugitoid, which you haven't seen for a little bit, standing on a cliff, and then he just jumps off a cliff because he's like, you know, I don't want Krang to be able to use my knowledge, so I'm just going to kill myself. Yep, and you got to think, too, like, what would drive Fugitoid to this point? I mean, he doesn't have a family anymore. He has nobody or nothing to live for anyway, so why not? When when Earth's survival kind of depends on him not being here. Yeah. And I think that's interesting, like, where this goes. Like, this started off with his suicide, and then you slowly have it where they're trying, you know, right after he, right the panel right next to him committing suicide is him in back in the work, back in the lab being worked on and all these cords are in him. So, like, his plan was in vain. Yeah. And I, I did get a kick out of like they have there's these scientists talking like, oh, yeah, we, uh, you know, we're we're weatherproofing it. Yeah. Stockman's in charge of that. He'll take care of it. You see Stockman cutting wires. <laughs> yep. So Stockman finally. Well, he, as we've seen in some of the past issues, he, he doesn't want to be some pet or familiar for Krang at the end of the day. I mean, and you got to think, too, like once the, the Earth is terraformed by the the of the the. What do you call it? Big the Technodrome. No, Technodrome. I can't think of the name. Technodrome. Once it's terraformed by the Technodrome, where where does Stockman really fit in? He's a very logical guy. He's one of the smartest people in the entire comics. So he's going to look out for number one. He's got to sabotage this guy, even though he could take advantage of it when it's over. But he he's got to he's got to sabotage he, it in order to survive. He realizes he won't be alive. <laughs> Chances are, Krang is going to dispose of him just like every other human at that point. Yeah, I mean, that's what Krang's up to. And Krang is so ruthless, as we've seen, that there's no there's no question about it. And I, I was surprised how much this arc shows it. And it made me, again, like, I don't give a shit about Krang before this. And the more I read Krang comments, I'm like, fucking hey, you're making me care about Krang. Like, I did not expect this. <laughs> like, you're making me like the character. I mean, not, he's still, I mean, he's not a, like not in the way that he's a, like, oh, yeah, I'm rooting for him. I'm like, it's just, I enjoy reading about him. Like, ooh, I can't wait to see what, you know, crap's going to happen next. Like. He is an interesting villain, for sure. Yeah, he, they, I mean, and this issue also, or this little story arc, or miniseries, the correct term, does a good job of also making you mo- learn more about him. Like, the next page you see is you have prehistoric Earth, and you see the Utrams going to Earth and getting DNA from Triceratops, which they, I did not realize this, but they made the Triceratops in this world. Not Triceratops, yeah, but I mean, like, the, what the hell are they called, the alien ones, but... Triceratons. Yeah, they made them. And I I don't know if that's something new or that was an old, if this was something from the original comic. I, I don't think that was uh, something that existed in any other iteration. Okay. I really got a kick out of that. Like, that was, that was really cool. And then it, it cuts back to many years later. And But even in the prehistoric thing, one of the people they mention is Quainan, which is Crane's father, was still, was alive during the prehistoric era and is still alive in modern day. Like, I thought that was an interesting thing, too, to show that they don't. Utrams can live forever. Yeah, Utrams seemingly have very, very long existence. Unless you kill them. <laughs> right. I mean, at this point, we've never really seen them die of, like, natural or old age. No, they just Anytime they die is because they can't breathe Earth's atmosphere or they get smashed by something. That's it. And just seeing, like, the when it, when you see Utram and, like, you've seen the, 
that you know you see the Triceraton for the first time. They they don't say that they made the Triceratons, but you can pretty much put two and together. That's what they did. And you yeah, have a small been... scene where Quinn is like, "The war is over," and then you have <laughs> I'm assuming this was like Neutrino saying there, but the rebellion has begun. Right. Well, you got to think too. Like I don't know who said the war was over, but. Quinan doesn't want any war to be over ever. And that's no. kind of the dilemma that we see Krang have. Even though Krang is a ruthless, very ruthless dictator and a warlord, he does not want to see a war continue like his dad does. Because what is his dad? What does Quinan want? Quinan wants recognition. He wants to leave this legacy that will last generations after he's gone and, and all this power while he's still alive. Krang doesn't care about that. As long as his people are good, that's all he cares about at the end yeah. of the day. It's much different. Oh, and it isn't war over, but Crane says, in short, the Utron Empire is at peace. And that's when then they say, we're going to start a war. Or that's when the rebellion starts. I mean, you also get a few, like, kind of cute scenes. Like, you have Utrams having a picnic. Like, a little scene of that. Like, it, it you know, again, it, it's making you learn more about them. And this this arc really does a good job of showing you, like, what happened to them. One and thing it, I get from, from all this is that I see a lot of parallels between this and Star Wars. I can't be the only one. <laughs> no, I don't. You're not alone. It's it's that same type of story, though. I mean, they're both probably inspired from the same type of thing. I'm sure this is inspired a lot by Star Wars. Either way, <laughs> it does. It doesn't matter. It still works for me. Same. I mean, it's it's so good. I was honestly pretty impressed with how much I was enjoying this. So you also see the other Utrams, like in the in the council or whatever you want to call that. That that disagree with Quainan's lead and where he's going with everything. And even though Krang agrees with the council, he still ends up arguing with people on the council with the respect for his father and the way they speak to him. Because he's still, you know, stuck in that type of thinking, too. He can't see it for what it is either. He doesn't I don't think he really at this point, he doesn't really see that his father is, you know, full of shit. Yeah, he, he's probably had at this point has some ideas about it. But as far as like just how far his father's willing to go and, and continue a war until the day he dies, he doesn't maybe know that just as of yet. Yeah. And this is where you see I do like the part Stockman sitting there reading a book and all of a sudden the lights go out and Stockman's has the biggest smile on his face because mm-hmm. <laughs> his whole plan was I think was he going to kill. No, he was going to try to revive the future toy to get him to help him stop. Well, he what he his plan is, and and they'll say it, and I think this issue or this, the third or the, the later one is that he wants to use Fugitoid to help kill all the Utrams and then blame it on him at the end. Okay, that's what it was. Oh yeah, because he's just Stockman's just bad to begin with. And and that's something that I, I want to cover too when we get there is that Fugitoid actually analyzes Stockman's behavior, and he's like he says literally, I thought he was amoral. But, no, he's just really a bad person. <laughs> he's a great villain. Baxter is one of the best. I mean, they have good villains in general. I mean, when you really think about it, top three villains, oh, you'll see more later. And they're actually probably on a bigger scale than the three that we're used to right now. But the top three villains, and they do a very well job with them, Baxter, Shredder, Krang, none of them really have any character development flaws for the most part. Okay. Do I ever get my wing nut in this? You know what? I, I think it might show up. <laughs> I like Wingnut. <laughs> very. If it does, it's very brief. Okay, I'm just curious because I'm thinking of a random ass character. So I'm like, I wouldn't mind Wingnut. If it does, if because I can kind of see it. If it does, it's much later though. That's fine. I got. I, I'm okay with having. I'm okay with having many comics to read for this series because yeah. And then it. And then it, again, it, this this cuts back and forth a lot in, in the past. But he goes back to the 
when the rebellion was happening and the Triceratons are rebelling against the Utrams and you just see them murdering Utrams and the one that was like Krang's like bodyguard type thing is, is a, one of the leaders of this rebellion. And he's dog. He almost beats Krang. I mean, he pretty much, yeah, he does beat he, Krang he, when he fights He could have killed him right there and he could have saved a lot of pain for a lot of races and a lot of people. Yes, but he but he, he wanted him to survive to do better for better than his father did, and it didn't really pan out. He might have Craig might have like cared about his people to the end, but as far as his impact on multiple dimensions and universes, no. <laughs> yeah, no, hundred percent. He he wasn't what he should have been. So Zog kind of messed up. I mean. And and then you can see they kind of blindsided the Utrams, or like Zog sitting there in his office, his main general, or his main commander, or whatever. And Krang's like, "All right, call all the Triceratons, get them ready for for war to fight." And Zog's like, "Look again, those are Triceratons killing your people." <laughs> <sighs> yeah, he he did not see that coming. Not at all. So I mean, the the rebellion plan in this instance worked, and it would have worked even better. Zog would have pulled the damn trigger. Yeah, it, it, but I get it. Like, you know, he was kind of like his friend in a way, too. So he didn't want to just murder him, even though he really, really should have. Well, you got to think, too, is that Zog is like when you're in a rebellion, you don't want to be like the people you're booting out in most cases. No. So and he he tried to reflect that. Was it a mistake? Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it, he, in know, history he proves it, too. But yes, it's also that's happened many times. Yeah. You have to. To have a rebellion really work, though, you need to kill almost everybody that was in charge before you. And make sure you don't repeat the same mistakes. Yeah, or depending on, like, in the way of Castro, you just promised a revolution. You didn't promise anything else. <laughs> you gave him a revolution. You didn't promise it would be better. You just said there'd be a revolution. <laughs> so that's you one know, of the jokes. And, and that's exactly what what I think about. When I saw the Triceratons do what they did, have this coup, that's pretty much what it is. Like, all I can think of is at that I was watching a, a documentary and they had the brother or brother-in-law of Fidel Castro. And one of the things he says, he's like, they promised a revolution. They gave a revolution. They didn't promise anything else. And he's like, he's like they did what they promised. That is hilarious. <laughs> so, I mean, he's like, you didn't promise to be better. He just said it'd be a revolution. So he that's what I thought. Of. Lied. <laughs> you know. And they weren't wrong. And then you have one thing about this, this arc. Also, you have very small scenes in each issue of Ultra Empire where it connects to what Donnie's doing which is going to play a big part in one of the other arcs, I'm assuming, that I can see is coming up, where you have him find the notebook of Chet, or Fugitoid, and he's finding out more about the Technodrome. And he's so you gotta, preparing. You got to think, too, is that Donnie, and it makes sense, is the only person that's really even considering the Technodrome and the bigger threat looming in the background, the bigger picture. Donnie is a bigger picture individual. Yes. So that's he's trying he to use his time wisely, not only mending to his broken father, trying to help his brothers the best he can, but he's sitting here trying to take care of essentially the world at this point. And also it's Northampton, Massachusetts, not New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> They're close enough. Hey, we're from the Midwest. What do we know? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I never even been, I've never been in the New York area yet, but I, I, I want to go. I also want to go to New Jersey because New Jersey, one of the states you can't pump your own gas. So when you go there, they actually have to come out and pump the gas for you. And I kind of want to see that now. Oh, that's funny. I bet you had to tip people though. Yeah. I, yeah. I didn't say I was going to stay in New Jersey long. I just want to go there and get my gas. And like, like, okay, cool. I saw New Jersey. I don't think there's that much there to see. So. I didn't know you couldn't pump your own gas. Here, so. Yeah, it's against the law, New Jersey. I only know that because one of the guys on on the show quite often is a uh, used to be in New York. So he weird. It came up on one of our movie episodes. So yeah, that's how I know. Interesting. <laughs> it actually, came up. I think Back to the Future episode. So yeah. I mean, I hate 
pumping my own gas, so that could work out great. <laughs> I don't want to talk to people, so hey, I don't like the idea of having to talk to somebody or have them do it. I'd rather do it myself and get out of there. <laughs> Which doesn't that's... take long. <laughs> All right, and then we'll go, we go back to Northampton, issue 30. And this one starts off... Oh, no, I forgot to say something. In the end of the Utra Empire episode, or episode issue, you have... I, I'm, I am off today. You have Stockman is, is draining the ooze from the Utra because he's like, I want to hurt Krang so I can, you know, confuse him and make him, you know, fail. And Fugitive's why I think, knocks him out and sees that, yeah, if you do this, you won't make him, you know, lose focus. You'll make him worse. Right. He's he's still going to probably go through with his plan to terraform and just kill everybody. Anyway, yeah, what does he have left? He'll, he'll just kill everyone, then he won't need to bother with it. He'll just like, fuck it, we'll just murder everybody. And also the, the cover for this looks, for the next one, I think it's number two. Yes. Looks very, like, Predator-esque. It's so good. <laughs> it is. It's orange Triceraton standing on top of a bunch of Utrams holding an Utram. And that's it's, a nice throw throwback, too, callback to the original design of an orange Triceraton. Are they not orange in this at all? I don't think so. And if they are, I think it's... Just a different skin shade. You see more okay. gray than anything. Gray honestly makes more sense. It does. I mean, the Triceratons, by the way, they last for quite some time in the story arc. Even where I am now, and I haven't been keeping up as much, but even where I'm at now, they're still active. Yeah, I remember you mentioned that like early on, I think, when you did one of the other two arcs. So I was, I was surprised to hear that, that they're still around. Yeah, I did not anticipate that whatsoever. So, I... I look forward to it. I didn't. I did not like them in the what I what I read of the Mirage. So I'm excited to see what this does differently to make me see if I care. You will. No, you'll care a lot more. Dynamic between well, let's say Utrams and Triceratons as time goes on. Kind of an interesting struggle there. Well, I look forward to it. Well, right, and that brings us to the other north, back to Northampton, and then you have you have Mikey who's writing a letter to Woody, and that's how it starts off. And I, I like this where you can't figure out how he wants to it and it's just kind of recapping like what's ha- or not really recapping but it's a way of telling the audience what's happening but doing it in the form of like a le- it's really cool i like it I, actually this is probably one of the better issues out of the arc for me and and that's one of the reasons why yeah because this, this arc isn't it's, it's a different arc because i i don't want to insult it but i not the same <laughs> and you have Raphael arguing with alopec because he thinks she was going to kill leo and she's like i was just gonna thank him for saving me like because Rolf makes a raphael makes a lot of mistakes in this he does and and it's all because of his emotional immaturity i mean mean, his his attentions are right and and what if he was right yeah think about that what if he was correct he's just really watching out for for people before things happen he just happens to be wrong and in this arc you see how hard it is for donnie not to have books, computers, and to be in a place with no, you know, with no out, no link to the outside world. And I would be the same type of guy. Be like, I don't like this. <laughs> I think most people would now. <laughs> yes. Anyway. Not in, not in the time when this stuff was first written in the eighties and nineties. No, but yeah, now. Yes. But I just thought about that. I was like, yeah, I'd be the same way. I would be Donnie. I'd be like, no, I, I, I need to do stuff. And you, and you get to see here for the first time, I, th- I think it was the first time. And maybe only time they show Shredder kind of reeling and them being unfocused, not even listening to Donnie as he rants about the the technodrome. Yeah, because they're not as worried about the technodrome because they as much as they should be. Yeah, <laughs> because it, it's it, it feels to them more of an outside threat and not something that's about to happen. It feels more like it's farther away. It's not a like Shredder was a constant in your face trying to kill you. The technodrome is it's going to kill you, but it's a little you know it's down the road. It's coming. You, know, you got to think you you can't really heal 
as effectively if you're sitting here worried about the next biggest threat. So, I mean, yeah. they're worried about just healing from all the pain, physical and emotional pain that, they're, that they just endured. Uh, and the Technodrome, like, what are you talking about? It's, it's not something I can even fathom right now. And we actually won't even cover the Technodrome for a, like, it'll be the fourth episode that we do next. There's yeah. still two arcs and then some other stuff that before that, like there's still some time coming up, but yeah, I look forward to it. All right. And then you have, speaking of star Wars references, they have one right in this issue where Leo is kind of like meditating or whatever he is, but he's like going through in his dream, like a cave and he's fighting like a sh- different villains, like a shredder and some other stuff you see in there made out of the woods, which reminds me of Luke in the second movie when he in empire strikes back and he's fighting Vader. That's not really Vader. Right. <laughs> It's it's a ref- I feel like it's got to be a reference yeah. to that. I I think so. I think this whole arc is is based well not based on but inspired in a way. Yeah, and this is when Leo talks to his mother, and I think this and that's what really like brings him back. Starts to you know she starts to kind of connect and be like, you need to you know go to your family. Like they're your family. You can trust them, and that's when it starts to happen. It's because of her. Yep. And yep. she makes a comment. She's like, I'm needed elsewhere, and she goes to go see Splinter. I don't remember if it's this issue or next issue, but that's where she's headed. And and Leo finally responds positively to, to someone. And he has an actual like, kind of smile on his face because he's taking that first step towards healing. It was nice to see. It made me feel good when I read it. I'm like, you know, I'm glad he's starting to kind of, you know, you're, the, the character I'm rooting for is starting to kind of come back. You know, he's recovering from the trauma. Yeah, the darkness is starting to clear up a bit. And it's the last time I want to say he sees some of these nightmares. Which is... I mean, it's just, oh, it's just really good. And then you you have April and Casey are with her parent. I think this is when she talks about like what what he was doing at Stockgen. I think she mentions about the ooze and stuff or a little bit. Or there's there's comments about it, what he was working on. It was very hush hush. Yeah, and and then she says like, hey, we didn't tell you because you were young. So I mean, again, you got to think like, how long has Baxter known about this this ooze or mutagen? <laughs> a while. How how long has he really been working on this? And, Who's been affected by it up until this point? I mean, this this has been looming in the background in her family. She's almost destined to to be in the position she's she's currently in. I mean, the also the idea is that I think Stockman's been working. I think like Krang has been on that island for a long time. Well, they did say he's been there since maybe like well, I don't know, seventies, eighties, or something. Yeah, like so that. he's been there like 40, 50 years at this point. He's been there for a long time. Well, you gotta somehow secretively build a gigantic. <laughs> world-ending terraforming machine I, I guess it's going to take quite some time i mean i'm guessing the machine's underground but yeah it will take a while right but then you got to get the people to to build it and somehow not let that information slip out it's a lot to it it's called enslave them and then murder them that usually does the trick that's what history's done when they want something done and don't want people talking about it <laughs> so the, the nazis did stuff like that too they'd have you work okay if you work we'll free you then they shoot them yep they couldn't talk yeah, doesn't work out well usually for people that do that, but that's what the history has done. So, and then you you have the mother visit Splinter in his dreams, and that's such a strong scene where he's like, "Don't look at me, I'm a, you know I'm disgusting." You know, she's like, "I don't care." <laughs> you know, I don't see that. Like, I thought that was re- that was really cool. And you know, then the, the shame of him being a rat now, and she you know still loved him for who he was. Plus, she's a ghost. So right. So not only is Splinter bonding with his lost long lost wife. But then you have the brothers bonding also at the same time, yet again, and, and repairing all these these damaged bridges. And you have a small scene where they, a good, powerful scene, where they all sit at the campfire and then they invite Alopex to come to Mikey does and she has hot, have a hot dog. And they all just so I think this is this is important here. I think it's 
as innocent as the moment is and, and almost like forgettable or throwaway, it's, it's actually pretty important because if you think about people's personalities in real life, there are certain individuals that tend to bring people together. And Mikey is that guy. And as, as simple as his idea was, I believe that worked just, just like he wanted it to. I believe Mikey's and Michael's and Mike's can are good at doing that. <laughs> oh, you don't <laughs> know. First of all, I feel like I brought a lot of people together. I mean, I brought you, Rob and Brad together. No. I mean, I, I've done it before work. I've done, I do it with this podcast all the time. Like I have gotten people that have, that have met me, then have started their own podcast and then get, and then work with people that I've worked, you know, have talked with and like build those, you know, so I, I kind of, I, I, I can, I can relate to that. I mean, I guess podcasting in itself is, is a way to bring people together too. So, yeah, I mean, people listen to me talk, so hey. <laughs> I feel like it, it has, I, I, cause I get with all the way that I do this with so many different guests and everything, it's brought a lot of people together. They're just my pat on my back to myself moment. So, but yes, no, but to go on with that, you know, I have this strange thing. Anytime you have a campfire scene where you have your cast just, you know, chilling at a campfire, some of the best scenes ever, right? You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know where I'm going with that. So, exactly. Oh, I mean, that's just what I thought of. Like, it didn't click when we were talking. I was looking at it. I looked up at my, at my canvas of Chrono Trigger. I'm like, yep, fucking campfires. They're just great. Yeah, they're memorable, man. And you got to think, too, though, like there was a campfire scene in the, in the movie. I don't the remember movie. the movie as well. I, I need to watch it again. So the 90s movie is that when Splinter was missing and they were in Northampton, they all went around the fire and they did that. I thought they threw some shit in it. Maybe they just meditated. I think they, they the, one of them, they do throw shit in it, but it might be the first. I think it's the first one. It is the first movie for sure. Yeah. And and then you see Shredder's astral projection and they have that really heartfelt moment where they actually start crying and they got that music in the background. Really touching damn scene. And, and you know, it's a good about. thing they didn't put the theme song in, in this part instead. I wish they did put the damn song. <laughs> you know, I, I should have played it. Power. Oh, not, no, not that one. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you hear that playing in the background? They're like, <laughs> I can't do the rap, but I, I that song is still good, by the way. Oh, I still listen to it. I was listening to it recently because someone had did a had did an episode on that movie, and I was like, and I had to listen to the whole turtle rap song, and then I had to listen to Ninja Rap. Dude, Ninja Rap is nowhere near as good, but that turtle rap song—that's a good fucking song. It is good, yeah. It recounts the whole movie, but hey, it's still. And they call Raphael the leader, which is still <laughs> very untrue, but <laughs> but no, you're you're right. It's just such a good scene i mean that movie was that's a good scene too i mean it's something that you need where you just you need just like your own trigger they, they need their moment to just connect and just relax with everything that's going on mentally i, I think that's a, again a reflection on real life that we all go through you got again the, mike is the type of person that brings people together but then you also have those moments where people actually sit and, and they connect on a deeper level this is their moment to do that after all the craziness and mm-hmm. and last second thinking Now's the time to actually process it. Well, and then the issue. While, and then you got Koya sitting here <laughs> scoping him out. Yeah. And I, it was in City Fall you mentioned because they, they have that bird and they, they call it by name. And I, was, and I didn't think anything about it. You're like, yeah, you might want to remember that. <laughs> yep. I wanted you to put it together. <laughs> I did not expect that the next, the next arc she'd be there. Mm-hmm. She's badass looking. The last pan, the last page is just a panel of her, you know, just looking badass. Koya is pretty cool, and here's another thing. She will actually be around for quite some time. My guess from what we have seen so far is that she's going to join the the uh, whatever Hob is up to. You'll see. That's my guess. Just my hypothesis that I'm going to throw out there. But I, I, I look forward to seeing it again. As I've said many times, I can't wait to see where all this goes. Well, so I was jump... about this earlier today. Like, not many characters are really throwaway in this at all. Like, this, like, <laughs> everybody has... 
God, yes. <laughs> but that's good. That's a pretty good track record. You think about it. Yeah, you know, it it really is. Like I I can't believe how much stuff in this in this comic series pays off and comes back and stays relevant. Like what they do is impressive. And in most cases, pretty meaningful way. Yeah, and even like the the mini the the mini the mini stories are are really good. Like the all the 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 micro series, like one offs. I mean, those are all part, you know you have to read. I feel to get the full TMT experience. Like I'm constantly telling people, read the freaking IDW books. Like read them. If you like turtles, read this crap. Like you're you're missing out. Yeah, anybody that's a true turtles fan, if you're not reading this stuff, man, you are missing out. This is this is it here. This is probably the best thing we have as turtle fans right now. Yeah. I mean, I haven't watched any of the new, any of the movies or the new series, but I, I am enjoying the comic. Well, those are more for like ten year olds or below. So, I mean, it's not going to have the same effect. No, I'll I'll get to them eventually. I think we talked about it before, but I think Turtles is on Paramount, isn't it? I think it's it is. I have Paramount Plus now. Ooh, I might have to go watch that 2003 series. Yeah, it's it, the full ones on there. Damn it, <laughs> I might have to do that. Okay. And then we, we go back to Utron Empire number two, and you kind of see where the Fugitoid sees that the ooze is all running out. The Utrons are going to die. So he, he comes to Krang to enlist Krang's help while he puts, he locks, he puts Baxter in a closet because <laughs> he's trying to get Krang to help him save them. And then again, it jumps back to kind of showing you more of the war with Krang and where Krang was on the front line. He comes back to visit his father and his father has captured the rebel leader and is going to execute him. And he's also imprisoned the ruling council. So only, so he, all the people that were telling him like, Hey, you know, you can't do this. He locked them all up. And from the way it looks, they've been in prison for like, like I'm guessing like 13 years based on the fact that they have little marks. Right. Yeah. And you know, it, it's a good scene. Cause again, it fits like what they're trying to tell you. They're trying to tell you, this is a dictatorship. This is a terrible government. They even have, a panel of a of a parade with with a tank and people marching, which again feels like a reference to what Soviet did during the Cold War. So, and what Korea North Korea does quite often that they brought when they broadcast that. But the same idea. I thought it was it's it's good. And this is when you see Izog escapes from the Utram, and he you know just just murdering them because like, Utram are really not that not that powerful, and they're not in like a mech a mech body. They're just little. I, I mean, when you're considering a giant ass dinosaur coming through. <laughs> You don't really have much of a chance when you're a little brain <laughs> with tentacles. I mean, they got guns, but it doesn't seem to affect them much. Yeah, they rely heavily on technology. The only person that, or the only Utron that's shown any different is Krang out in the damn jungle. Yeah. Doing what he does with, with no, like, primitive technology. Like, Krang is, is, that's why he got as far as he did. Most Utrons can't do that. No, most of them are, are much weaker creatures. And then you have the way Izog escapes is he grabs Krang, puts a gun to his head, essentially, and says, you know, if if you want Krang to survive, you need to, you know, get me a ride and get me out of here. And and something to bring up here is that Krang is willing to die for his people. That's how much he cares for his people. He's, he's like, just lo- blow him away and take me with because <laughs> now is the time to really stop this rebellion. Yeah. Again, and- second time Zog could have killed this guy. It didn't happen. Well, in this case, if he would have killed him, they would have killed him. So, <laughs> but yes, right. But you know, he should have just killed him in the first place. Just ended it. Been done with Krang. Would have saved a lot of lives. But yeah. would have saved a ton of lives because what would have happened? It's very possible. Poinen would have died eventually, and then the rest of the Utrams would have died off with him. Yeah, the race would have been done unless you had somebody like Shrell over there. Well, that's another story. And then you you it cuts back to current time where you see Krang in his mech body 
goes outside and is tr- has to, to get the power going, but he's going to take a massive electric charge, but he his body can handle it. And at the same well, he time, doesn't that, know. he doesn't know. Well, oh, he doesn't know if he can handle it or when not. When you do, it'll cause a massive election. Yeah, oh, all right. So Fugitoid is about to warn him what that's going to do to him. But then Fugitoid clearly has some issues he's got to handle in person. Yeah, Stockman shows up with his fly droids again. I'm assuming these fly droids are going to play a part in the regular series coming up here, too. They do. I, it's okay. nothing like too major, but they, they have a role, yeah. I figure when he gets to attack the Technodrome, they'll just be there, is what I'm assuming. Quite possibly. I mean, I think in the city they have more of a use. But I guess we'll see when we get there because I don't fully remember. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, I mean, these these this came out a long time ago. Like, I mean, this came out almost ten years ago, so <laughs> or around there. It's not. These are not new comics. Not I'm by just any means, though. No. Way behind on the series, so. And this is you know you have the Fugitoid and Stockman are fighting, and then he kills the the Fly Droid. I think this is, and then he just leaves Stockman and goes back to Krang because he's trying to help Krang do this. You know, he's trying to help Krang save the Utram, so essentially just to save the human race, too, because he knows that if Krang does that, the human race is done for. And if all the Utrams kill him, nothing to live for. Yep. He'll just kill everybody. And here's Donnie distracting people with his damn technodrome that they can't wrap their head around. <laughs> and yeah, just, it's just two pages of it of him complaining about it. And they're like, yeah, that's nice. We got a train. <laughs> yeah, we're busy right now. <laughs> I mean, again, it makes sense. I mean, they're worried about the current threat where he's he's more of a forward thinker and he's thinking of the future threat. Well, and if you really look into this more, he's bringing it out to these people that I'm sure are mildly concerned about it, but they have no answers for him. He has nobody to bounce off his hypothetical ideas off of. It's purely going to be just him at the end of the day, figuring this all out. But as he says right here, one step at a time. Yeah. And that, that is hard. I mean, that's hard even in general when you, you have ideas that you're thinking of and you have no one to bounce them off of, but yourself. Like it's hard. Yeah. Big life. I mean, yeah, I think like this is the equivalent of one of the biggest life decisions Donnie has to make. And, it, and there's a lot of consequences to those decisions. So, I mean, that's same with us. If we got a big financial decision coming or, or what's our health decision, I mean, same thing for us. Yeah. It's all, it's all well done. And then that, and then you, the last thing you see is Krang is all gets shocked from the electrical thing and just laying in the ground, laying on the ground. Spoiler, he survives. <laughs> For anybody wondering. <laughs> and then this brings us, then we're going to bring us to the last two Northampton issues, issue 31, which does have a cool cover of Leo meditating. You, you did, did miss out on some more of the story here. Oh, what did I miss? Sorry. Zog escaping. Oh, where he escapes and then Crane yeah, is in the hospital bed. Quite a bit of pages here to go. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm uh, not missing too much. I mean, Zog escapes. Crane gets pissed at his father for. And this is actually the moment. This is maybe a, kind of an important moment where Krang is, is in the hospital room and he's like, why the hell didn't you just shoot? And then <laughs> Quainan pretty much admits that, well, I, I don't want the rebellion to stop because then I don't have a war. I got to create a new war. He's like, I already have one. And Krang's like, like, nah, he finally is starting to get it. He's like, what the, what the hell? <laughs> like, what's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. And there's a lot wrong with him. With Quainan, so I mean that's but again true of all dictators. Most dictators have those issues. You know they have to have because in order to have to keep power, you need to have a reason of something that you're fighting to keep your people fighting for. Otherwise, it just won't work. Right. I mean that that's a real thing that happens throughout history all the time. Like you, you have to. You, you need you have conflict. To think too. You have to wonder. Like, well, if Krang didn't have to face the practical genocide of his own people what kind of 
ruler would he have been if his father would have stepped down or died or or something or been assassinated like what would krang have done being that they're at a time of peace now would he have just been a good ruler i mean that that's something we'll never know i don't think so it's very possible he wouldn't but you got to think his people's best interests were in were his interests yeah so maybe he would have hired advisors and, and people that could have you know, helped him rule these people in the way that that he cared for them. Because I mean, that is one undeniable fact. Is is even though he's one of the most ruthless dictators in this entire, <laughs> well, he is the most ruthless dictator in the entire comic. He cares enough about his people to want to see them prosper. Because look at all the picnics and peace they were having. You know. Yeah. No, you're you're definitely right, and I think that's a good take too on it. Kind of just see what type of like just to see what he wanted to be. That right, and, and he was he was enough of a, a warlord to where if another race or, or threat came uh, amongst his people, he would have been ready and willing to do something about it. But he actively he wasn't actively looking for conflict. At no, the day. he wasn't in the mindset where you need conflict to stay in power, which is what all dictators do in history. <laughs> but it, it makes him a better. But it makes him a better character too. It kind of rounds him out. I mean, when you really think about that, that's maybe the only redeeming personality trait he's he's had that he cares about them so much if things were different if circumstances would have been different maybe he would have been a good a great leader to them yeah he wouldn't have, you know went to war like he did because he's trying to find a planet to cultivate for his for his for his people right and then with the northampton you have it you on the cover you have leo sitting on a rock holding the sword and splinter looking at him and it's got the blue bandana wrapped around the sword because you all this time he has not put the blue bandana back on yet not yet no, and Splinter hasn't even given it to him yet. Yeah, he just kept it. I actually like this cover a, a lot. Like, I can almost feel the wind. It's like a very ethereal painting, in a, in a sense. Some of these covers are really good. Again, I regret that I wasn't just buying this as it came out every month. But <laughs> it would have been so many comics I would have had. Yeah, it's very good. I, I wish I bought the trades of this. I, I still want to every so often, just to, but that hasn't happened yet. But I think about, <laughs> like, wouldn't it be? Yeah, these are just, these got to be just so cool to have. They're just such good books. All right, and then this this issue starts off with you have Donnie and Casey Jones working on a motorcycle, which again remind me of the movie where they're working on the truck and the same idea. Definitely a throwback to that. I, I mean, this happened in Mirage too. God, I don't remember. I, I've read very little Mirage. Good. <laughs> I, I just can't. I, it, I I mean, for the for the time, it was probably amazing, but as as we evolved into appreciating not only better art but better storytelling, that it doesn't hold up. Yeah, I, I can't do it. And I feel I want to like I want to appreciate it. Like I just it's it's not for me, you know, and I can't change that. Normally. And that's all right. I, I mean, for me, like as big of a turtle fan as I am, I still have it marked off where I left off on Mirage. I haven't updated that in probably over six plus eight, maybe eight years. I mean, to time. be fair, you have this. You don't need Mirage. No, that, that, no I don't like I, saying that, but that's how I feel. No, I feel like this is way more definitive. I feel like this is way more enjoyable. It's it's way more streamlined, and it makes sense. And some of that old Mirage stuff you can't even find. Like it's really hard to find some of that stuff. That's what the internet's for. Oh, I know. I use the internet to find them, but it's, it's, it's <laughs> yeah, it's no, not they're not like yeah, they're, even on the internet. The, the places that I I go sailing to, it's not the it's not the easiest. So no, I agree. And then you you have Raphael and Alopex like training together, which is. Re- it makes me sad to see what happened. Like when they're, they're just kind of like play fighting and then she's on top of him. It looks, you know, it, it was, it was a cool scene. And I was like, man, I really like, 
it made me sad where things go with this. Cause it's like, I thought at this point, maybe she's going to be part of the team. Like she's going to be with them for a little bit. Nope. <laughs> the only thing I'll, I'll say to you is that Alapex is like Koya. Even to the point I am now, they still exist. Okay. So they have some very, very stretched out longevity. That's good. Cause I, I, I like, I like Alapex is growing on me. I didn't like her, but I like her now in this arc. Like I'm, I like her trying to come to terms with what happened with Shredder, with the murder of her family and, her being different, and I, I really like that a lot. And I look forward to seeing where it goes. One thing that this series does well is they, they make you care and accept other mutants than just the turtles. I mean, and the, and the other mutants, for the most part, are not throwaways. I mean, even Slash, as you'll see how much of a role he plays later and how much you're going to care at that time. That'll that'll let you know right there just how, how well they, they write some of these other off-mutants. And that makes me happy. It makes me happy that they really like, again, there aren't really throwaway characters in this. And that's that's an interesting concept at times. Like, it's a simple one, but, you know, you, it's it's like almost everything in here has has a reason. Well, they, they tried to, to have do everything. Everything they did was done with a lot of care. And it reflects in every storyline that we end up coming across. Yeah. And then you have in this issue, after you have them, you have Leo kind of coming to terms with himself and. You know, he's he's thinking about when Shredder cut off that guy's head. I can't even remember who it was now. And I don't even, yeah, I don't even remember the name of the French the French losers. Sabate. Yes, I couldn't think of it. I was like, it just I wiped it from my brain. It was so insignificant and irritated me. But fake French ninjas <laughs> were fake. <laughs> they sucked. They just died, and I thought they I, I really thought they had more of a purpose than just to be fodder. So I will keep complaining about that forever. At this point, I think until I just get past it. But so you have that. You have him training. Or med- you know, kind of doing this is when and Splinter comes up to him, and this is when Splinter gives him the sword with the blue bandana. Or no, just gives him the blue bandana, and it's such a touching moment too. Like you know, this is you know after everything has happened, you know he hasn't had it, and Splinter's just been holding on to it, waiting for the right moment. You know, I just think that makes Splinter a great character. You know, he's really Agreed. a great father. You know, at times, not all the time, but at times, this is one of those times. You don't see a lot of flaws in Splinter's logic. I mean, something that comes up in this arc is that he admits to them about his involvement with Stockton blowing up. But realistically, throughout that time, that's maybe one of his only mistakes is, is really getting involved with something like that. And that's I only mean, because he felt he didn't have a choice. Yeah, he, I mean, he really didn't. He needed their help, and that was the only way to get it. So as, as questionable as that might be, I mean, he really doesn't exhibit a lot, a lot of flaws. There, are, there is an arc that comes up later that you're not going to be expecting. That has okay. a lot to do with Splinter and his relationship with his sons. And then you get to pick apart maybe something that uh, or some things that you might feel are some of his mistakes. But you'll see is, is, is when we get to that point. OK, I'm definitely I'm definitely excited to see where things go. So I, I, I really, I really, really <laughs> I can't believe how much I, I'm in. I'm in on board and you have them. They're working on the bike and then you see April shows up with a new haircut where she cut her hair short. I like it. I like the I like the reasoning of it. I don't think that's completely said in here, but it's it's very much I feel like the character changing and growing with the things that have happened to them. And that's kind of how I take it. I don't hate it. I, I think it's maybe it's a little premature for me, but then at the time at the same time, if they're gonna have this kind of like change for her, maybe this is the right moment where everything's calmed down and she can actually have the time and, and mind state to do it. For me, I felt it should have been maybe after her dad started walking and, and she found out everything about Stockton 
Okay. You know, it would have made, made, made me a little more sense for me, but it's fine. The way they've done it. Yeah, it does. It is. I, I I liked it for what it was in general. I was like, okay, this is this is cool, and it, it fits the character too. And April and this is just so good. And this is also when she's trying to come to terms with herself. Like, should I give the medicine, you know, to my dad, or should I give it to you know Casey and, and Splinter? And Casey's like, we're warriors. Me and Splinter, are like, we're used to getting our ass beat, and we pick ourselves back up. He's like, you so need to I like that. all of that. I I like. There's a couple things that I want to say about this part here, and that's April is is conflicted with. Should she be selfish and just give it to her dad like she wants to, or should she help those in need that might make more of a difference in the immediate future? And it or, not be as personal. It. Right. And she's conflicted with that because of how good of a person she is morally. And then you have Casey here. <laughs> I, I feel like being the, I don't know how to really say this in a good way, but like Casey is playing the male role in a, in a relationship well, I feel. Sometimes you might have to give your partner direction and just put it out there for them. Like, look, you're overthinking everything. This is really what it is. What does this mean to you? That's your answer. Yeah. And I think they did some good writing with him in this case. I will agree. It is definitely good writing. And it definitely, and it, it does, uh, it makes him a good character too. Cause, cause what is Casey? Casey comes from a, a very traumatic childhood, traumatic upbringing. Casey is not the type of guy that wants to sit there and BS about things. If you feel something and, and you feel that it's right, Sometimes you got to go with that feeling instead of overthinking every aspect of it. <laughs> I wouldn't know anything about that. <laughs> no, it's it's a cool moment. And again, they their relationship feels so real too in this comic and justified. And I, I like it. And Casey's a Casey Jones is not one of my favorite characters in Turtles, but this comic has made me like him a lot more. So there is something when it comes to relationships in IDW Turtles, there are a lot of them. And you'll you might not have come across many of them yet. But as time goes on, especially when they change writers way later, there's a lot of forced relationships. What you see here with AC or April and Casey is some of the most genuine relationship writing that you will see throughout the series. So enjoy it while you can and then go <laughs> ahead and, and use this as, as the pinnacle of some of those relationships and base all the other ones amongst this. And, and you'll see you'll see the difference. OK, I'm definitely I know like it's 100 something when things change. And I think that's what I might have to fall off but we'll see <laughs> you know, you'll see when you get there i guess <sighs> we're getting there <laughs> right and then you you have oh yeah this is when you have the turtles are well, every the rafael michelangelo donatello splinter and alopex are in the barn eating sandwiches it looks like and they're just talking and it's during this peaceful time when you have God, what the hell is the name of that bird alopex Quaya. or Quaya. what the hell oh yeah i'm freaking combining my names here the Aquaya burst through the the roof with a bunch of foot assassins which look like okay these are so they look like foot ninjas but they have giant claws on their hands and red red masks and they just look like they look really fucking weird and bird like they they look like something out of the bouncer (laughs) (laughs) so where's mugetsu it's, I was waiting because he, he likes blasting through rooftops too. So, oh, he does. <laughs> fucking, fucking the bouncer. You know, I haven't, I haven't thought about the games that I covered on the show, but now you made me think about it. Thank you. Glad oh, I could help you out. Yep. So, what a, what a fucking good game. Uh, yes, it is. Foot assassins, <laughs> by the way. Yeah, they said they're assassins. Like they are. They are. So, what they're I'm getting at is that, weird. Yeah, they're funny looking. The, the, the foot assassins play a big role later. In one of the story arcs, especially with one particular assassin. Okay. You won't have to worry about that now, but I think it's post issue 50, like right after maybe. Okay. 
So pay I attention when wait. I don't. I can't wait to read 50 because 50 is the one that you've been talking about since we did the start of this two years ago. Oh, man, I, I can't wait to hear your response on that. That whole <laughs> so, arc, let alone just issue 50 itself. And this is when you have the and they start they start fighting her like right away. And Alopex runs out the door because she thinks they're there. That She thinks the bird is there to kill her. So she's like, fuck it. I got to go. <laughs> well, she, she she don't even know who Koya is yet. I don't think. Oh, so she, she she sees she says this later. She saw the foot assassins and she's like, oh, shit, they're here for me. Yeah. Not realizing they're here for the they're here for everyone, essentially. Pretty much. They they don't care who they kill in this bar and they, they're trying to get rid of everybody. And this is kind of where Raphael makes one of his one of his big fuck up. He just he leaves his brothers and just charges after her because he thinks she betrayed them and goes to kill her. Yeah, he makes a big mistake on this one. Yeah, this is definitely I mean, he's wasting valuable resources by fighting somebody that has no intention on hurting anyone no and he's like but and he's leaving his brothers to fight outnumber to fight assassins and a giant bird because leo is not here yet no and they're kind of getting their ass handed to them because they don't have Raphael. you have the bird about to kill splinter when leo shows up with his two swords and the blue bandanas on uh, that was the bird's like are you prepared for the for the slaughter that's funny bird i was gonna ask you the same thing and leo to stand there i'm like this is yeah, well, Awesome. Great ending, nice pose, bandana blown in the wind for the first time since he joined the Foot Clan initially. Yeah. Yeah, God, like this is, I originally I thought this arc was only three issues and I realized it's actually four issues when I first started reading it. I don't know why my brain just thought three parts, but so I was confused, like, oh, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> like they have a whole, a whole other issue to deal with what's coming. And it's, and then it brings us to the last Northampton issue and the cover is like a, three-part cover where the, the the center is the bird a colic what's it God, what the hell is the name again k-o-y-a koya koya i don't know why i cannot remember it right now and then you have leo on one side and the other three turtles on the other with alipax and it's just a really cool cover yep every cover i think in this entire arc has been really good this this, this series has some great covers oh, and you get a cool fight you get you know leo jumps at the bird and just starts fighting her you know fighting her right away and you know she's like you know and this is when she finally says her name because she calls him the so so Leo has a rivalry with Rai, well documented yep. rivalry. He also has one with Koya. Okay, because Koya was loyal to Shredder because Koya was the bird, and then becomes Shredder. So I'm assuming with 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 all the other mutants being gone, she's going to be the right hand for his mutant type thing. I'm In a sense, uh, there there's going to be. I'm not really ruining anything for you here, but there are there's going to be more mutants involved eventually. I she just still happens to play a role much bigger aside from that as time goes on and does one of them like donuts donuts is that gonna be one of them too you wish but no (laughs) (laughs) but i do look forward to token razor when they do show up in here i am excited to see them it's not very long but that's interesting when they do consider their two characters made for a made for a movie that was made for kids based on a comic book where they kill people hey i'm all good (laughs) that's okay they don't last long so, but like Okoya is such a freaking like vicious bird, though. Or Koya, keep calling Okoya. Okoya is just vicious. She is a bird of prey, so she's I mean, it makes doing sense. what her her instincts are telling her. I mean, you got to think it is kind of frightening in a way for her to have those like talons. Those talons, they they did a good job of making it look like they can rip through your torso, and they can <laughs> if they want it. Oh, and not only that, her her wings can cut as you see Leo getting sliced in his neck or shoulder. Yeah, he gets a feather cut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because this, yeah, she she slices his arm, and that's when he throws the shurikens into her bot into her body. He's like, "Good, it's not my throwing arm." <laughs> I you like see that. Later on, it was a very well placed shuriken throw. Yeah, 
and then you have the the foot assassins drop a grenade, essentially or smoke some kind of grenade thing, which blows up the bar. And Raphael's still not involved because he's still too busy fighting Alopex mm-hmm. until the explosion when he finally gets his senses kind of knocked into him. And, and then she comes back and she helps and she saves his life from a foot assassin. And that's what finally he realizes, oh, I fucked up. Uh, yep. <laughs> that kind of hurt me, too. Like, I felt bad when I see her walk off in the woods and just leave them because she's like, you were wrong and just leaves. And I'm like, damn it, that's sad. I wanted her to be part of the group for a little while. <laughs> Made me sad. I get it, though. Like, you know, it's hard to go from having someone trying to kill you to having someone be your friend. So get it. Mm-hmm. You know, whenever anyone tried to kill me, well, actually, I had people threaten to kill me. But that's the best different. And they weren't my friends. So, <laughs> so but it was just, yeah, it was, it just made me sad. Cause I wanted, I wanted so much more to happen with her, with, 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 with Alpex. But I, again, it, you, you do have me excited to see what's coming. I, I really look forward to that. And I, I look forward to seeing what her part will be. Cause you said, I'll appreciate it as, as it goes on. I think, I, I think so. I mean, it, I think you'll appreciate her more as a, character as time goes on okay because yeah, it seems like you like her now which is great yeah she, this is the start of her character development but yeah that like i said she has longevity to where she's around where i read now so that should tell you something that's definitely cool i'm glad that she that she sticks around like that and then it it cuts back and forth to you have april and, and her family see that there's a fire at the barn so they go to the barn and she's like uh there's something i need to tell you first while they're heading there <laughs> and I keep calling him. What the hell? The Akoya beats the shit out of the turtles. Even Leo and then Raphael finally shows up and it's sick. Take on the bird. And this is dur- it's during that part when they're fighting. They burst through the bar and right when she's like, yeah, there's something I really need to tell you. Then just boom, Raphael and Koya fighting each other. <laughs> it, it, look at that one panel where Koya says traitors and she's like swiping at Leo and Splinter. Oh, like she, that reminds me of like beat him up boss fight. So, you know, like they're just dodging the boss. Uh, yeah, it's just this whole thing, this whole scene just kind of reminds me of a beat em up boss fight. That's very fair. And it makes sense that she sees Splinter and Leo both as traitors because both of them were essentially part of the Foot Clan at one time. Right. You know, Leo recently and Splinter a long time ago and time far, far away. But yeah. But God, is she powerful? Like, even when Raphael attacks her, like, she beat the shit. I mean, she's pretty much beat the shit out of him. It isn't until Mike, until when she's about to kill April's mother. When Mike, Mikey all of a sudden comes out and hits her with a motorcycle. <laughs> yep. So fixing that thing up was uh, worth it. Yep. And then he ruins it. But he got he got a chance to ride it because he makes a comment earlier. He's like, I want to ride it. And he's like, I don't think you're going to be able to do that, Mikey. I mean, a turtle driving around, they're going to be wondering. But he gets his chance. Mm-hmm. And it's so cool. Just that it's just a whole page of of him just hitting her with the motorcycle. And that's what finally stops her because, like, they can't beat her. So I thought that was yeah. good. And then the part where Leo comes up to Koya and he puts the sword up to her and she's like, kill me. And he raises the sword above his head like he's going to do the shredder thing and behead. And he just goes, I won't kill you, but you can still die. And he, if you want, he pulls out the shuriken that he the well play shurikens or one of them. Yeah, the so I thought that was good. Her, but yep, she's bleeding uh, seemingly from an artery and has an hour to live. <laughs> Even though like, yeah, they probably should have killed them all. But I get it. You know, they're not. You got the Mirage they, Turtles? Right. So, They're Batman in green skin. Pretty much, yes. And then they, yeah, and then Koya and the Assassins leave, and then April has to explain to her mother everything with the mutants and who they are, and this is when she gives the ooze to her mother to save her father. And they, they know they have to leave Northampton because, well, the foot knows who they are, so they're like, we're going back to New York, baby. And they just leave Alopec in a tree the last time you see her. And then you have April's mother mixing the, <laughs> I just caught that, uh, mixing, when she's mixing the ooze, the tea says Earl Grey. As a Star Trek fan, one of the teas that Picard drinks all the time is Earl Grey. Mm. I, I, 
I, feel, I, I don't know. I, feel, I mean, I know Earl Grey is a regular tea, but that's just what I think of when I when I hear I Earl Grey. I, think of was, I figured it was a, some type of reference, but I had no idea what. It was. Yeah, tea, Earl Grey, hot. Next gen is amazing. You should watch it. So, <laughs> just bear through the first season. That's a little. That's rough. That's one yeah. reason I haven't started. Well, it's really just the first like five episodes are, are garbage, and it, it gets good, and has like one or two trash episodes later on. But otherwise, it's it's there's some really good stuff in the early, in the early, but it's just you got to get through some crap. I'm currently watching through it. So, all right. And then, yeah, her father can walk for the first time again. She's like, we got to go. They also know that they got to get the hell out of here. Otherwise, the foot might come and kill them. And he can speak normally, too. Yeah. Because he had trouble speaking before. Which is definitely a thing that a stroke does to a person, which I know for a fact because my line of work. So that's those are all legit. Like what happens to a person, unfortunately, when they go through that. Yeah. And that wraps up the Northampton arc. And then we just have one last issue of. Utram Empire to read, which the cover of this <laughs> looks it, it has like it looks like propaganda. You have All a few they, different they races standing. Purpose. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, no, hundred percent. Just join the resistance today, and it just has cut red and white in the background, and Triceraton and some other races is standing there. I mean, yeah, it's a hundred percent, and I like that though. I like it that it was propaganda. Like this is cool. That that's a cool look you're going for. And the issue starts off with a flashback showing or. Yeah, it kind of cuts back and forth to showing like what what was going on with the Utrams. It shows Krang and Emberno Island, but like it really shows that the the Triceratons were winning the war, and so were the other rebels, and they were killing the Utrams. And Krang goes back to his father, convinces his father to come with them, and his father won't move. He's like, "Okay, fine, you can die here," and just leaves him, which he does die. So because the rebels win at this point, until you know Krang eventually wipes out more rebels. Except I don't know if Krang. When he fights the neutrino in that earlier arc, he's just fighting just the neutrino, right? Like he's not going to war with the entire like galaxy like he was no. before. Well, I mean, they've had issues with I think other races at that point, but the neutrino arc at that time was solely with the neutrinos at that time. Okay, he was just trying to take that one planet, right? Okay, right, and then you have Baxter burning the the body of the flyman and being all upset because he feels like you know he's just going to be murdered, but the future story is just going to turn him in. And then he'll be killed, which makes sense. Not what the future toy does. The future toy ends up when they finally run into each other later. He doesn't turn Stockman and he tells, he, oh, yeah, Stockman helped me because he, he knows he can use them as an ally later. Yep. And you also it's have a very, the, very uneasy alliance where they both oh, yeah. want to kind of use each other. Yeah. And, and they Not say my favorite art in this uh, comic either. And Chet gets tied back or future toy gets tied back up again. If they don't trust him, because, you know, he is the future toy. He's not exactly, you know, he, I think he's, oh, he's, he's in a room he's not supposed to be in because he's sending out the signal to whoever to help them stop Technodrome. Mm-hmm. And then when they find him, then they, they tie him up, essentially. He's like, yeah, you're a prisoner here. It's time we start treating you like one. So they lock him up. And then you have, with the flashback, it shows that what Krang did where he put the other Utram in stasis. You see Dr. Honeycutt. I'm assuming that's supposed to be Dr. Honeycutt was helping with that. And then they go to Bernal Island for the first time. And I, I think that's that's all very cool. And you have a you have a little bit with stuff in Northampton, which would have happened before what we just read. You know, this issue takes place after where just Donnie talking about the technodrome some more. Just that continuously. Well, it's, it's him trying to figure out the way in. And yeah, he comes up with the teleporter idea. So, oh, yeah, that's what it was. Figuring it all out. Finally, is <laughs> when they're on their way back to New York. But it, it was solely up to him. And he gets that, and this is yeah. He gets the message from from Future Toy when they're on the on the in the bus driving back from Northampton. Except April has hair in this in this. Yeah, like well, I guess it's still short, but just not as short as it 
as it was in that last issue. Yes, I wonder if it'll be different because this is a side thing. So I wonder when they get back to the main arc when they show her, she'll have the short hair again. Like she's yeah, not to. my favorite art in this one. Okay, and that's part of the reason why. Okay, I, I, I'm looking no, and then this is when and then Stockman's gonna go kill the future toy and the future toy. That's when the future toy says, "Yeah, we're, we work together," even though like he just knows he needs him as an ally. Yeah. And the last like you see the turtles get the message from che- from future toy, and then the very last scene where it says we'll need an army at the last page, you see that. Karai and Shredder got the message too about the Technodrome. Yeah, it's cool. So I mean, Chad Chad has come in contact with Shredder before. So <laughs> yes, and, he betrayed. You'll see where that goes. Actually, with Shredder getting involved with Krang, and that's that's a big one. Okay, I'm ready for it. I'm ready for more stuff. I'm really excited for Technodrome, but that's a few. I'll be a little bit before we get to that, but I'm definitely excited for that. So that brings us to our to our last section: shelf stacker box and. We'll kind of put both of them, each thing, one being Utrem Empire. So I'll go first. I'll put Utrem Empire in the stack because I enjoyed it, but it wasn't it wasn't anything like great. Like after coming off City Fall, it was kind of hard. Same with Northampton. I'm also going to put that in the stack. I enjoyed it, but it just it didn't grab me like I couldn't stop reading. And of course, I, re- I read these twice. And what about you, Red? Uh, I wish I thought about this ahead of time, but I think oh. um, I think in this case, I might have to agree with you. You got two stories here that. While they are pretty interesting in their own right, nothing happens to where it's like, all right, this is like monumental. I need to come back and revisit this at some point. Yeah. So I guess I'd, I'd probably stack them as well. Northampton's kind of is the better one out of the two ongoing storylines at this point. I felt it was pulled off a bit better. I thought it was very important for the char- like the turtles' development, and I mean even April's and Casey's at that point. But other than that, yeah, I'd, I'd probably have to stack it. Okay. And for those that are reading along with us, the next one is going to be the 2014 annual. And then we're going to cover the four issues of Monster, Misfits, and Mad Men. That'll be our next episode. So, yeah, I look forward to more turtles. <laughs> and as I said at the top of the show, you can see, you'll can you see all the turtle episodes that we've done in links in the show notes. You can just go copy that and go listen to that. So that way you don't have to go and scroll through our massive catalog or hear me just recite random numbers. You can just click it and it's there. So definitely go check those out. If you enjoyed this episode, we have a Patreon. You can support us as low as a dollar. You can vote in our Patreon poll. You'll see the link in the show notes for that. We do have a Discord. Join our Discord and chat with us, and you can make recommendations. You'll see that in there t- in, in the show notes also. And want to give a shout out to my awesome intro and outro, Curtis of Helena at Hell Has Fear. You can follow her on TikTok. And want to give a shout out to my buddy, Bill Tucker. He has his own podcast, Gamer Looks at 40. Definitely go check him out, too. And please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and on YouTube, audio only, but we are on YouTube, and I think that's everything I have to say, so we will see you guys next time. Bye, everybody. Bye now.